Hey, you're listening to the Smoke Meat Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Pittman. Smoke Meat is brought to you by Joe's Underground at the corner of 8th and Broad in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, such a great place to go. I love going to Joe's. They make you feel like family the first time you walk in and every time you walk in. That's right, Jeremy and the gang know how to treat people there. they got great food, great drinks. There's great people there. Uh, going down, meet some new friends, hang out with some old ones. Either way, you're going to be happy when you go. Uh, Joe's Underground at the corner of 8th and Broad in Augusta, Georgia. Remember, I go to Joe's and so should you. Uh, today, my guest is Mr. Thomas Claxton. Uh, singer, songwriter, such a great guy. You're going to enjoy hearing from him. I had a great time talking to him today, so we're just going to get this beast kicked on off here on Smoked Meat. Hey, how you doing this morning, Thomas? Hi, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Man, I'm doing great. If I was any better, I'd probably be twins. Oh, man. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> been listening to some of your music this morning, man. I'm digging it. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I just released that album. Age of propaganda, not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm digging. I was listening on Napster this morning. Whenever I'm going to talk to a musician, you know, and I, I like to brush up on the music, and I'm I'm always loving to hear new stuff. And man, I'm I'm loving it. Well, cool, man. That uh that album actually featured um, a lot of players here in Savannah and some international uh, people and. Mario Cipollina from Huey Lewis in the News, Michael Hampton from Parliament Funkadelic. Nice. So, uh, yeah, we uh, had a nice variety of players on that. Oh, man. Yeah, I, hell, I grew up with Huey Lewis in the News, man. I'm a child of the 80s. Oh, man, dude, I love that stuff. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Born, born in the 80s myself, so. Well, I was, I was actually born in 71, but... Uh, my teenage years were then, and that was when right. I, we, we had some good music back then. Oh, dude, they, come on, man. They, music doesn't come out sounding like that today. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't. I'm not saying it's all bad, but, you know, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think they put as much thought into it these days and from the music quality side of it. You know, the, the engineering, in my opinion, is, is through the roof amazing, but, uh, and the production, things like that, you know, uh, these days, but, you know, in my opinion, you could definitely tell a difference in the way they write music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I, I just, I can't even describe it. You know, just, I can, I can hear a song from then, any, any time, pretty much, but from the 80s, it, it just instantly, I'm back there in, in parachute pants and muscle shirts, you know. Oh, man, dude. Did you have, did you have the big old MC Hammer pants going on? I didn't didn't have the MC Hammer pants, but remember the <laughs> remember remember the baggies? Oh yeah, kind of the Rex Quando style pants. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I had I had some of those. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. And what was that's awesome hilarious. is I, I wore those and I had the the you know the um, muscle shirts and didn't work mm-hmm. out. <laughs> well, what I what I want to know is what was up with them short shorts that all the dudes are wearing back in the seventies. Now y'all, you seventies people got to explain that. Oh man, see, I I was I was just a kid then, <laughs> so I'm not responsible for any of my fashions. Oh, I got you. Okay, but I, I got, got lucky. I, I didn't really have the short shorts, but I did have some of the terry cloth shorts <laughs> and the matching t-shirt made of terry cloth. Nice. Um, I felt like I was a walking match head. There you go. Oh man, and corduroy pants. Man, I was just about to say. Oh, I think corduroy dude. pants kind of died out finally. I, 
I, th- I think they might be making a slight comeback though. I'm not sure. Oh man, they don't need I know, to. I know fanny packs are coming back. You know, I actually wore a fanny pack on the ambulance for a while, or when I worked in the ER for a while. I had a friend. <laughs> I, don't think I don't think they're calling the fanny packs anymore though. I can't remember. <laughs> you know, these kids today, you know how it is, man. They'll they'll take something that come out 30, 40 years ago, and then they'll try to make it their own and rename it. Oh, have you seen the ones that look like a hairy stomach sticking out from the bottom of your shirt? I have. I'm oh, like, good Lord, who in the one. hell would wear that? I want one bad just to aggravate my <laughs> <You> kids. <would. laughs> oh, man. Because I, I bought uh, a shirt, and it's it's made out of kind of Under Armour material, and it's flesh-colored. Right. And the front of it is all body hair. Nice. It's horrible. It's even got nipples. <laughs> and I don't wear it out. I wear it. I actually got it for one of my characters, but I threaten my kids with it sometimes. I'm like, I'll, I'll put it on. Let's go. Nope. Daddy, we're not going out with you with that. And they will not get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I blame them. Yeah. Oh, it's I'm, so much fun to mess with my but girls. I, but if I were you, I'd be doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. I love messing with my girls. <laughs> but yeah, we, we had those. And uh, the, the picture that is the bane of my existence, my sister has it is when I was a kid, I've always worn glasses, but my dad was retired army and we would get my glasses from the military base. And they were those black horn rim things. Now mm-hmm. I'm not a skinny kid no more. I'm, I'm, you know, five ten, almost 300 pounds. I'm a big old boy. But back then before I hit puberty, I was a little scrawny bastard and wearing those and school picture day, they sent me to school Wearing a light powder blue leisure suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that they, was bad. They, they, they just put you right out the door, just, you know, they made here, sure, go to school in this. They made sure they wasn't going to have no grandkids for a long time. I'll put uh, it like right, that. Yeah, they, and it was all part of the master plan. <laughs> oh, it was. It was those birth control glasses, and oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, 70s That's fashions funny. were awesome. But one thing I've always wanted, and I, I, I'm going to order one because I actually found it on Amazon, the Uncle Ted Cat Scratch Fever T-shirt. I want. Oh, one. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, those, I'm about to say, I'm sure you can find them all over the internet. Oh, yeah. Probably got them on eBay, Amazon, all that stuff. Yeah, and my brother-in-law, his dad, back in the 70s, actually drove Ted Nugent's bus. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's actually got a box of programs. And, uh, little, you've seen like the flip books and stuff you can get at different shows. You got a box for those in mint condition from that tour. Oh, there you go. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting too because everybody thinks that all those songs are sung by Ted Nugent. Mm. And some of them are not. I mean, like uh, Cat's, Got, Cat's Crush Fever, I believe, was. Mm-hmm. But Stranglehold and Hey Baby, those songs and a lot of other ones were sang by. Um, Derek St. Holmes, hmm. who was on the road with Ted Nugent for a while. And uh, he was he was pretty much the lead singer, you know, and uh, Ted just, you know, did his thing on the guitar. You know, sang some stuff, but not as much as a lot of people think he did. But but uh, Derek St. Holmes was the voice of that. And uh, Derek's such a nice guy. I've, I've uh, came close to working with Derek uh, one time years ago, and then... Uh, I've run into him here and there through events out in Nashville or Los Angeles. We say hello and that type of thing. A super nice guy. Had a hell of a voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and no, he's definitely no stranger to that Atlanta scene either. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I, when I um, was doing tactical medicine, the stranglehold was one of my on the way to the call songs. So I had I had different playlists. I had a dress out playlist where I was getting all my stuff on, checking all my gear. Sure. And my I'm on the way to this thing now song playlist, and stranglehold was on that one. It was just that man. vibe, man, and it just oh, I love it's a great Uncle song. Ted. Great song. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, no, we had such great music back then. And you remember the the uh, popsicles that were called, I think, Bomb Pops or Rocket Pops, the red, white, and blue things? Uh, it's been a good while since I've seen any of those. But Mountain Dew has just put out a flavor that tastes just like it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called, <laughs> called Liberty Blend. Liberty Blend. There you go. That makes sense. Yep. My supervisor brought some to work the other night. It's like, holy crap. Me and my partner have both been buying them like machines. And I'm not a big Mountain Dew guy, but that one, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I had to give up them sodas, man. Yeah. I mean, I haven't given up Dr. Pepper just yet, but, uh, you know, yeah. rest of them, man, I had to had to toss them. Couldn't do it. Yeah, Dr. I was Pepper's, drinking way too many. Yeah, Dr. Pepper's my go-to. Yeah, I love me some Dr. Pepper now, man. That's, that's like an institution. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about two years ago, after about five years worth of research, I'm a, I'm a big Smokey and the Bandit fan. Me and a buddy of mine can recite this movie. Mm-hmm. And I did research and found out the recipe for the Diablo sandwich. And <laughs> yes, we made those and got the glass bottle sugar Dr. Peppers. And Oh, man, it's awesome. You can't beat one. Man, I love that sheriff in that movie. Oh, and you know 99% of his stuff was improvised? Oh, yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah, but uh, where I live at, up here in Fayetteville, most of that was shot within a 30-mile radius. So, he, <laughs> What was that one scene that he, his son kept doing all that dumb stuff? <laughs> he said that he'd go back and... He said if he could go back in time, this is where... Yeah. He wanted, he wanted to go back and what he say something to his mama. Ain't no way, no way you could come from my loins. <laughs> when I get home, I'm going to punch your mama in the mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that movie's hilarious. I was, I didn't like part two that, that much, but uh, part one was, man, that was, that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Part one was the best one. Part two. It was okay. Part three is an abomination. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't even, well, Burt Reynolds wasn't even in that one, was it? For like 10 seconds. Yeah. And yeah. That one was just, oh, it, it was the money grab. And well, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I saw it in the theater. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know if I could have done it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was bad, though. But the first one. And you know, I actually got I got to interview Sonny Schroyer, the guy that played Enos on the Dukes of Hazard. You know, he was in there. And he told me about yep. his scenes with the motorcycle and all that. And that was so Ooh. cool. Because he, he he didn't film for long. I mean he just came up for a day or two to do it, but had so much fun with it. And well, you know, uh, he's he's I a did. Georgia boy too. Oh uh, yeah? Yeah, he's in Valdosta. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. I watched Smokey and the Bandit not even about two weeks ago, as a matter of fact. 
Oh, yeah. When, when I bought my projector, when we lived here, I found a projector at Walmart for like 99 bucks, and I brought it home, and I didn't have all this stuff in my studio yet. Uh, the basement's mine. It's nice finished basement. I set up my projector where it fit the wall perfectly, and I've got a PA, and I hooked it up to that, and the first movie I watched on it was Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> oh man when they come on and the truck cranks up and all that you hear the rumbling it just shook the basement it was so awesome man it's great movie oh yeah oh yeah oh man now I know you're in Savannah how long you been down there oh I was uh, I wasn't born here but I've been here since I was a baby I mean I was born in Fort Walton Beach Florida mm-hmm. but uh pretty much been in savannah my whole life i just do so much traveling so i just kind of make savannah the home and then i branch out and go from there yeah yeah i tell you i, I love savannah i've actually got to play two shows in savannah oh okay now the second where, which, where were you at now my second one the last one i did was at a place called club one yeah and i remember I, it. I actually got to, got to perform on the same stage that lady chablis did which is cool yeah, and unfortunately, Lady Chablis passed away recently. Yeah, I hated that. I hated yeah. it because, you know, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil has always been one of my favorite books and movies. I love them both. But A uh, lot of people don't know, Clint Eastwood directed that. Yeah, yeah, and man, he t- it's funny, some of the stuff he's directed, you know, like that and The Mule and all those, is like, holy crap, mm-hmm. that's amazing. He does great, and especially as old as he is. I still would oh, go after sure. him with a baseball bat and a pistol because he'd probably still just beat the hell out of you. Oh, most likely. <laughs> He's tougher than a fifty cent steak. No doubt. But the first like show, that. the first show I did down there was also my first paying gig. I made fifty bucks, and uh, I can say two words, and you'll know pretty much where I'm at with it. Victory Drive. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. at the, the King's Inn. Man, that's that's right there off of Victory. Yeah, yeah. For anybody that yeah, don't know, it's a it's a strip club in the back of a strip mall. Pretty much, or it used to be. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh man, that was that oh, was a fun night. It was not not <laughs> not fun in the strip club kind of fun. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> if, there, if there's ever a movie made of this night, Ben Stiller will be in it. It was that kind of night. <laughs> oh man. Dude, I, you know, I I tell you what, I, a book with nothing but Savannah nightlife stories in it would, would sell billions. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, believe me, man. Savannah's a trip. Ain't no doubt about that. I mean, you know, I think you appreciate things more when you're not around them, you know, but, uh, and so I see it all the time and I'll have people telling me all this stuff about how much they love Savannah and all that. And, you know, I mean, when it's everyday life to you, you're just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, but you don't really think about it too much. And then uh, then when you leave Savannah, you start, you get that itch, you know, you just want to get back there and everything. You know, I, like most, most every year, I'll spend about a month and a half, maybe two months um, in Los Angeles. And uh, every time I'm out there, you know, I'm like, okay, it's time to go home now. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that something about Savannah definitely has a way of of uh, sucking you in and not letting you go. Yeah, yeah, just like you know, I'm from Augusta, or right outside of Augusta. Sure. And 
everybody assumes I love golf. I love the Masters, and I've been to every one of them. And I like to play golf, so I hate watching it. And the only time I've ever been to the Masters is I was on the ambulance, and I stepped inside the gate to buy my uncle a hat. Yep. Uh, and it's, just, it's not my thing. You know, everybody talks about the restaurants. Augusta's got some good places to eat, but like I say, I, I grew up there, and Okay, yeah, I've eaten here a thousand times. It's they got good burgers. Yeah, we're we're fine. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I think the place to eat at in uh, in Savannah would probably be Mrs. Wilkes. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Mrs. Wilkes is probably the the best for Southern food as far as Savannah goes, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a cool spot. They uh, it's been around for so long, so many years, and and. Uh, I believe it used to be a boarding house for uh, disadvantaged children back in the day, and they turned it into a a family style restaurant to where you you know everybody sits down, even people you don't know at this big table, and they just bring out these covered dishes. Nice. And man, the food is outstanding, no doubt. But I mean, you know, that's just the way it is, though. You people assume that just because you're from a place means that you've done all the you know touristy stuff and that's not always not always true at all yeah you know i mean it's, it's like assuming all the new yorkers go to the, the new year's eve celebration <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like i guarantee you most of them they've never been to it <laughs> yeah you know when we go to savannah our go-to places to eat we we do huey's for breakfast at least once on river street yeah, on river street yeah and uh we gotta eat the shrimp factory once my wife loves their bacon wrap scallops there you go. And uh, we'll do lunch at the Pirate's House one day. Yeah, the buffet is good on the lunch hours. Yep, and there, there she crab soup. Oh, man. And we've got to do Moon River every once in a while. That's that's kind of our go-tos. But I'm going to have to try Miss Wilkes. Oh, uh, you've never eaten that, man. You, you're missing out. Yeah. But I'll tell you this. You, you better get there uh, at a decent time because they they're only open for lunch. And... Uh, I think the hours are literally like 11 to 2. Mm-hmm. And it's so much of a sought-after place that the line is wrapped around the building. Oh, man. You know, so you have to get there probably, I'd say, about 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning to get your place in the line. That way you can eat mm-hmm. at a good hour. You know, if you get there around 12, you'll be you'll be waiting mm-hmm. until well after 2 before they'll let you in. Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, I mean, another. You know, I'm also assuming that, you know, it goes back to normal here at some point. But, uh, you know, I don't know what their deal is right now. We're getting in line and things like that with the pandemic the way it is. But, you know, we'll just have to see. Yeah. Now, when me and my wife went down there, we went down for a couple of days without the kids. And, you know, we, we stayed. And I had heard about a bar down there called Matahari's. And. It sounds pretty cool. It's a like a twenty speakeasy, but you have to have a password to get in. Yeah, I've heard of the place, never been there. Yeah, yeah. you know, but uh, it's one of those spots. You know, I think it's like you you have to you have to know somebody or you know get invited or something or have the password. It's one. Of, it's not exactly easy to get into. Yeah. Well, the way the way we got we actually got the password. We talked. Because what I read, you know, you talk to your concierge at some of the hotels. They'll give them to you. Well, I talked to ours, and she said, man, the guy that's got that, he ain't here tonight. He got all secretive. said, go over here to this one and talk to this guy. And we had to go to, like, three different hotels. 
And finally, you know, the guy was like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. And he just kind of was writing down something, just slid us this little piece of paper and said, I wouldn't ask about that place anymore. And it was the password. And that was just, just that part was so cool. And <laughs> we walked up and down Bay Street and realized had we walked about 150 feet more, we'd have been there. Because <laughs> wow. it's, it's down in the bottom in a little back alley on Bay Street. And, but oh, yeah. They say if you don't have that password, you can flash 10 grand to the guy behind the door and he ain't letting you in. Oh, no, that's part of, that's part of his deal, man. You, uh, you just can't do that. Yeah. If he lets him in, he'll get in trouble no yeah. matter how much it is. Yeah, and that is so cool, you know. I mean, I'm sure it's just a, a regular bar with a good atmosphere in there, but just the having the, the journey is so much fun. Yeah, Savannah's got a lot of mystery to it, that's yeah. for sure. I love doing the ghost tours down there because I'm a ghost hunter. I love doing that stuff. And... <laughs> that's funny. I tell you, you know, every time they mention ghosts in Savannah, you know, I think the people that have seen the ghosts are people that are not actually from there. Mm-hmm. Because all of us locals were like, yeah, cool. You know, we've never seen one, but okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now, notice a lot of the ghost tours take you close to a lot of the bars. So a lot of people that have seen them think they've been to a lot of the bars first. A lot, they take you to a lot of the what now? <laughs> the, the places where you go on the ghost tours are close to a lot of the bars. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think a lot of people that have seen the ghosts have seen the bars first. Yeah, most of them, no doubt. You know, it's uh, the ghost of Jägermeister Pass or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, I know we, we talked a little bit about Bryson City and up in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge in that area. That's also our go-to. Right before the pandemic hit, we were scheduled to go to Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg for a week. And my wife's job, she runs a nursing home, uh, they told her, said, yeah, we're going to cancel that because we need you close by because this thing's fixing to kick up, we think. And sure enough, it did. So we are, yep. we're just itching to get back up there. I mean, I love that area. It's like my, uh, it's the place I can always go to if things ever, you know, get kind of rough or anything like that. I can go there and, you know, find that peace and serenity yeah. up in those Smoky Mountains. Yeah, Definitely. I know my wife, it don't matter what we do up there. We have to take a day and do Cade's Cove. Have you ever been down in there? I have. Oh, man, that place is so great. I think she likes it because there is no cell phone reception anywhere down that road. Oh, for sure, for sure, absolutely. That's that's, uh, that's definitely, man, anytime you go into those spots like that, and you can, you know, basically nature gives you no other option. Yeah. You, uh, you have to turn it off, and if you don't, it'll just cut your signal off, or <laughs> that's it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we'll ride down through there, and all of a sudden, everybody's stopped. You can look ahead, and there's a bear in the road just kind of chilling, or a deer, or whatever, and it's just, man, it's just so beautiful. It it, it helps clean the soul. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. I think they're, they're raising uh, elk out there now. Oh, man. Yeah. I know whenever we go past a little welcome center there at Cherokee is usually yep. two or three in that field on the right. Yep. That's uh that's definitely the area, man. Love it. Wouldn't trade it for nothing. Oh yeah. I've got a friend that has a magic show up there at the Space Needle named Eric Dobell. And uh I've I've talked to him on here before and I mean he's he's such a great guy and he was telling me about the whole show business scene up there and it, it seems so cool. 
because everybody up there, you know, that, that performs, you know, a lot of them do the same show night after night after night, but it's always packed and it's always a different audience. And to me, that would just be so cool as a performer. But at the same time, you get old doing the same thing every night. But, you know, knowing that people are coming every night and selling out to see you, that would be cool. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's so much history and heritage up there in those places, you know. So, you know, it's uh, people just drawn to it. Yeah. That makes any sense. Yeah, and and I love the music up there. You can hear on just on the street. You know, you get the street performers there, and you can walk, and all of a sudden you're hearing banjos and guitars, and seeing people clog and go a little bit further, and you got a kid with a little electric and a pig nose amp playing, and I mean, just so varied. And it's, everybody's good. Well, for the most part, I've heard one that was. I <laughs> say <laughs> so you'll you'll catch one of the hillbillies every once in a while. It's like whoa, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. But I, I just love it up there, just the atmosphere. And, you know, they know they're a tourist destination, and they hardcore embrace it. But the the neat part is, while you, you got some things there, like a lot of places, that the prices are jacked up because it's tourist. But, sure. But a lot of them aren't that bad. I mean, it's a good place you can take your family and not spend a mint. You know, we've got a hotel that we stay at every time. It's downtown Gatlinburg, and it's seventy nine bucks a night, and it's a decent room. Oh yeah, now you can find good prices. You just got to know right where to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all up in that area, man. That's uh, I'm gonna go back there pretty soon. As a matter of fact, as soon as I'm able to. Yeah, well, when you go back up there, there's a place right off the pass in Gatlinburg. As you get there, called the Cherokee Grill. Yep. And man, they oh, their steaks and their uh, spicy mac and cheese, they actually know how to make a rare steak the right way. Oh, crap, it's good. I love them. Have to go check that place out. I've heard of it. Never oh, been there. Oh, it's awesome. And their beer, ice cold. It is it's that perfect temperature, and it's so good with a steak. I don't drink a lot, especially whenever I go out, but with there, I get a Miklite every time with my steak. There you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. I tell you, this is pretty cool. You know, I, I love the way that I do my show because we started talking about music, and now we're talking about our favorite vacation spots. And I, hey, I love that's what I like about this. I make friends. I don't have interviews. I just make friends on the air. Well, in my opinion, those are the best ones. Yeah. You know, I just have a conversation with somebody. Yeah, because, you know, I, I do my homework on these things, and I'll listen to people and I'll, I'll look at their pages and everything and get the, the baseline stuff. You know, you got to, cause it'd be funny if I got on here and said, so Thomas, tell me about your latest book. You know, that right. would just be what the hell, but you know, that gives me a little bit of information, just somewhere to go from and it works, you know, cause I'm sure if you've done many of these, you get the same questions every time. Yeah. A lot of the times, you know, but, yeah, you, know, you just try to answer them as best you can. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I listen to a lot of podcasts on my way to work. So I drive for about forty five minutes each way, and you know, it it drives me insane to hear the same thing over and over and over because you can tell the guest has answered this question fifty times in a week, and I I hate yeah. that. You know, I okay, yeah, I know you made this album then, and you enjoyed it, but you didn't like working with this person or whatever. Okay, 
So what else you got? And I like to help people get to know you because it personalizes you. And it gets them invested in your music. And sure. it just, it's better for every, everybody. I totally agree. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's always good when you, uh, when you have someone who, you know, does their homework before an interview and everything like that. And I think it's better for the listeners and everything. Yeah. And, and to me, when you got a connection with an artist, like I say, it invests you more in them and you, you listen a lot more. It, it means something, you know? Oh, absolutely. I know you do a lot of, you know, you use a lot of acoustic and I, I love the way you pick, by the way, it's nice and clean. No matter if you, you're playing the acoustic or if you've got effects going, everything's clean. And I really like that a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's me on my acoustic there. Nine yeah. times out of 10. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's just something that I just, that I just don't think I would sound the best on, then I'll get somebody to do it. But. You know, that's uh, got to send that shout out to Taylor Guitars for that, for that clean sound. Yeah, Taylors are nice. I would love to have a Taylor. You know, I'm actually yeah. without a guitar for the first time in a long time here recently. But wow. I live about four miles from Guitar Center, so I'm, my wife may lift my band. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that place is the devil, man. Oh. Oh, I know. I know. You'll walk in there and you just be like, oh, man. And it wouldn't be so bad if I could actually play, play. About the most I can do, I chicken pick. But I can really good. I'm really good at chicken picking. But anything else, I can't do for some reason. <laughs> but I love a telly, and uh, I, I miss having them. But I think that's my next investment. I'm gonna get me another one because even though I don't play well, it, it just kind of another one of them things helps clean the soul. Oh, for sure. Well, you know you. People think, you know, if I want to have a guitar, you know, I got to be able to play. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you just might want to do it for a hobby or something, you know? Yeah. If yeah. that's uh, if that's your thing, that's your thing, you know, whatever it takes. And, you know, people, uh, you will never get better at it unless you play them one. So that's my recommendation. Go for it, man. Get you one. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about being gearheads. That's one of my downfalls when I get a guitar. At one point, I had about five guitars, which a lot of them were cheap ones. My favorite one, though, I ever bought was a Teleclone, and it was made by a company called AXL. And it, it played so good and had just a nice tone to it. I, I've never found another one like it. It was a $100 guitar. But, oh, sure. But when I had those guitars, I, I had enough pedals where if I'd have put a nice pedal board together, I would have had had four feet to operate it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but i did go cheap on them i went to pawn shops and got them so you know. the pedals yeah oh yeah uh, you'd be surprised what you find in a pawn shop some days oh you ain't kidding you ain't kidding. that's where i found uh, that, that one and that one guitar and I, I miss it i wish i could get another one but i know you can order them but just I know you, you've had this going in and you can pick up two identical guitars and they're not the same. It's like two different people. You know, each of them got oh, their no, own personality no. and their own feel. And 100%. I mean, they, you know, even the big factory ones, you know, like I've, I did a tour of the uh, Taylor Guitar headquarters and just outside of San Diego, California, not too long back, and they were showing how they make all their guitars and, you know, they might be a major 
manufacturer of them and all that kind of stuff. And but they put so much, you know, love into each one of the guitars that it's just every one of them comes out sounding special. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love the sound of a Taylor. I mean, and like I say, I, I don't know what it is. I'm I'm not a um, guitar maker by no stretch, but just you know what whatever they do with them, it works. I mean, they've got their own little tone to them. And yeah. I've never heard anybody complain saying I got to get rid of this Taylor. This thing's crap. Never heard no, that. No. <laughs> no, no, Taylor, Taylor guitars, Martin guitars. You know they've. Uh, they're pretty much the, the standard. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a cousin that plays a Martin and he would kill you over that guitar. And it what's he funny. Would do what? He would kill you over that guitar. Oh, I'm sure. And what, what's funny. Once, once you're loyal, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah. What, what's funny is on my dad's side of the family, all my cousins can play anything. They could pick up a pine limb and a shoelace and sound like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> And any instrument they decide they want to play, they can pick it up and just start playing. Doesn't just matter what it is. You know, one of them actually played on Edwin McCain's uh, demo. Oh, cool! And you know, I've just I've never had that gift. My, I guess my voice has always been my instrument. You know, I do comedy and that kind of stuff, but I'd love to know how to, or to be able to play. But I play for me, and I have fun with it. And I could probably well, make a lot the, of money. I could probably make a lot of money getting on stage and playing and telling people for this amount, I'll stop. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be rich. Hey, if it, if it makes it, you know, then I, then I call that a successful business model. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, I mean, you can't argue with that. Yeah, like I say, if you know, it's, it's bringing in profit, you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and you know, for me, it's it, it, like I say, even though I'm not real great at it, it's therapy. When, sure. when I worked in, in Washington County here in Georgia, up in Sandersville, we had a, these two bridges we called the twin bridges between there and my house. And under one of them, you could actually pull off the road and go down there and park, and you could get under the bridge and fish. Well, after a bad shift, I would go out there and get under that bridge and sit and play my guitar on a little pig nose with a, that Line 6 pod bean for about two hours. And mm -hmm. that just... That made it where I could go home and feel all right about it. And it was just me yeah. and the fish and the squirrels, and it worked. There's probably some fish that no, need therapy takes, now. But... That's uh, that's kind of my logic behind things. The uh, sometimes the, the things that bring you the most fulfillment are the simplest things. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like like this show. You know, I do it to wind down. I'll I'll never make any money. I won't make the Joe Rogan money off of it. Never know. Now, if you know anybody wants to pay me a hundred million dollars to do anything with this show, sold. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll pass them on to you, and I, I'll even split it with you. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah that's just fair enough. You know, I think uh, so. If I'm making a fifty million dollar profit, you know, yeah. that, that's I guess that's good enough. Yeah, <laughs> if I gotta take it. But you know, yeah. I, I do this to wind down, and I'm probably I'm I'm in the hole on equipment. I know this, but you know, the relaxation and the joy I get out of doing this, sure, it's worth every penny of it. You know, I've spent a lot more on a lot stupider stuff. You know, I get it. Yeah, I've, you know, I, my, all of my money, I swear, it gets just pumped right back into my career. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's uh, to me, a good night is. 
you know, some Chinese takeout and a movie yeah. in my house. That's that's a good night to me, putting the feet up and being able to just kind of wind down. You know, everybody finds their joy in different things. And I think, uh, you know, because I'm always so focused on that career and things like that, that's, you know, that's kind of where it, where it is with me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny, as you get a little bit older, the things, like say, that, that, just kind of relax you more. You know, my wife and kids were out of town this last weekend because she got some time off where I still had to work some, and she wanted to go see her sister down there in Kingsland. So I, sure. told, I told her and my kids, I said, y'all go. I'm not do. I'm recording this weekend and editing. That's all I'm doing. So they did, and I know Saturday, Friday night I ordered wings and just had a good time sitting here eating wings and doing my thing. And Now, Saturday... I didn't do fireworks, but I did grill. I went up to Publix and got a almost three-pound bone-in cowboy cut ribeye and grilled it. Sweet. Oh, yeah. It was a wonderful thing. But, you know, and that worked for me. I had a great time, happy as I can be, just chilling here at the house. Man, I tell you, that's about the, one of the best places to be these days. I'll tell people sometimes it's too peoply out here. I got to go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm a. I love playing for crowds. I don't like being part of crowds. Yeah, that's that's me. You know when I, yeah, you know, you know I, I had two strokes about five years ago, and one of my ticks is like I say I I love getting in front of crowds, but being in one, I get so antsy, and I just man, I can't handle it. I cannot do it. And I, yeah, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is sometimes, you know, but like I was in, I was in Washington, D.C. on July the 4th of 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was the most people I had been around in years. I mean, wasn't the biggest crowd I'd ever been in, but it was definitely one of them. And I was there at the National Mall. And, uh, man, that was, that was, uh, that was something else to see all them people. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be good not being at that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, because it was, it was, uh, it was like an ocean of, you know, human beings. And I was, once that was done, I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. I went back to that Airbnb I was staying at because I had to play that uh, that weekend in uh, in DC. I was at the Hard Rock Cafe and and. Um, you know, it's definitely, definitely a surreal experience to be in D.C. during Independence Day. Yeah. You know, but um, well, once it was over, man, I was ready to get out of there. Yeah. It was just way too many people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, let my folks know where we can find your music at. I know I got mine on Napster. Yeah, you can. Uh, let's see. You can find it. Uh, well, first off, I mean, go to my official website, thomasclaxton.com. And uh, from there, there's links to find all the stuff on uh, CD Baby and Amazon and Apple and all the major major ones, Google Play, things like that. And uh, so it's all over there on the, on the Internet. And got videos to watch on YouTube and different things like that. So, you know, just been... Just been enjoying it, man. That's all. That's all we can all do. 
Outstanding, man. Well, I tell you, I've had a ball sitting here talking to you this morning. I could go for four or five hours. Oh, man, absolutely, brother. Yeah. But, it was a uh, great conversation. And you know you're welcome on here. Anytime you come to Atlanta, you're fed. That's just a given. Well, I'm going to have to take you up on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I smoke meat. I grill it. I make my own sausages. I do a venison pastrami that is wow. amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, when I'm in New Atlanta, I'm going to give you a buzz. Yeah, hey, then that's that's not a hollow invitation. That's Give me a holler and I'll get it ready. Well, well that's I got to come up there and try it, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate it a bunch, man. And then, like I say, anytime, all you got to do is call and say, hey, I want to talk about this. Let's hit it. Hi, I got the record button right here in front of me. Cool deal. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. It's been a heck of a... Heck of a conversation. I've enjoyed it. Well, thank you.